Hey guys, this is uh, John Stacy with Thick, Strong, and Awkward. I'm here with Dan Hughes, Cerberus-sponsored athlete, to announce a special giveaway in celebration of 1,000 unique downloads on the podcast. I couldn't be more pumped to team up with Cerberus USA and Ken Nowicki for this giveaway. Um, he and the whole company give back to Strongman more than just about any other company I've ever heard of. They're constantly sponsoring shows. Um, they sponsor a ton of athletes. They're just they're a great outfit, and I'm super pumped to be able to rep them a little bit with this giveaway announcement. So without further ado, here's a sponsored athlete from them, Dan Hughes. I'll let him give you all the details. What's up, guys? Dan Hughes here. Uh, Cerberus is excited to announce that we're going to give away a free soft belt just like the one you see me training with almost every single session, along with another $100 of Cerberus gear of your choice. So everybody will have unlimited entries through posting on the Thick, Strong, and Awkward post from October 1st, announcing the giveaway. You must be following Cerberus Strength USA. You must be following Thick, Strong, and Awkward. And me, uh, Dan Hughes at StrongmanJLU. Tag a friend in the post, and you'll get a bonus entry if you re, uh, repost uh, the original post tagging Thick, Strong, and Awkward. Winners will be announced, or the winner will be announced during the live stream of Clash on the Rockies, approximately the thir- first 30 minutes of the live stream uh, before the competition starts. It's a separate entry, unlimited entries, so have fun. Um, and then make sure you're following those three accounts and then tune into the live stream ADL pro live. It's only two 99 guys. You get to watch the competition and about 25 minutes into the live stream, it starts at 10 30. So at 10 55, uh, AM, the winner will be announced. Um, so you don't even have to watch the whole thing if you don't want to, but I highly encourage you to, cause it's going to be a hell of a show. Um, the regional qualifier clash in the Rockies in Denver, Colorado, getting ready for clash on the coast finals. Um, yeah, that's it. So make sure you're checking those out. Oh, and then, uh, bonus entries. If you either share the post to your story, uh, or, uh, make a permanent post and tag thick, strong, and awkward, um, you get a bonus entry. So cool. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. I sat down with Anthony deal, 2020 America's strongest 105 athlete, uh, and we discuss health, um, his home life, his work life, and how he's working on his transition into bodybuilding right now. Well, he lets a bunch of injuries heal up so that he can come back to the strength game and start dominating again. Here we go. How you doing, man? Good deal. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, in the middle of a move, so we are okay in a hotel right now. Oh no! Yeah, I mean it's not That's too bad. Fun. How long yeah. are you going to be in the hotel? Uh, we're in this hotel tonight, and then we're in a different hotel for the next two nights uh, because my girl is doing DJ stuff for a bodybuilding competition this weekend. Oh, nice. Uh, so we switch hotels for two days and then we get to stay at a friend's house for two days and then we leave and start our journey to uh, Texas. Wow. Where in Texas are you going? Uh, outside of Dallas, Saxe. Okay, cool. What takes you guys there? Uh, getting out of Washington. Yeah. Want <laughs> yeah. to be in Washington? 
Uh, not in this day and age, not so much now. Yeah, no, I totally understand. You're going to a free state. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's plan. Awesome. Um, and then uh, my girl likes the heat a little bit more. Uh, and, not so much for me, at, but at least I can't stand the heat. But at least Texas is not humid. Yeah, yeah, it's fairly dry. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. dry from what I from what I've heard. Like my cousin was there as a border guard for years, and um, he would tell me that it's just. Like he hates the heat, but it's so much different in Texas. Like, you know, it could be 110 in Texas, but dry heat literally feels better than 80 here with 100% humidity. So, yeah, but where are you located? I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess I was in Kentucky there, for a while. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I spent some time when I was 16. I got cousins that live in New York. So I was over there and I was surprised okay. how humid it was. Super humid. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I hate it. Right now is a beautiful time of year. I love it. So, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, how you doing? I know you had some injuries going on. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Um, I had, let's see, I tore my bicep back in April doing axle cleans. Um, mm-hmm. the weirdest part about that injury is it didn't hurt Okay. at all. Like the tear didn't yeah. hurt. I just, I lost power in my arm and I felt like it felt like a rubber band snaps in your arm and it's just, the muscle rolls up. And I think it's just because it was a full tendon rupture. There's not a lot of blood to the tendon. Yeah, um, I mean it. Like it ached, it kind of throbbed. Like if you could have a headache in your arm, it's kind of what it felt like. Like I was way more sore after surgery, but yeah, no, I'm coming back from that, so everything's good there. Um, I'd say I'm like 85 to 90 percent with that. There are still some movements that hurt. It mainly hurts in the forearm uh, yep. where they actually cut you open the bicep. All oh, that stuff. scar tissue. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there are times like if I'm trying to do dumbbell flies of any sort, it kind of messes with me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my forearms will scream at me. Um, oh, yeah. Certain forms of curls, my forearms scream at me a little bit, but yeah. other than that. Yeah, I tore, so I tore mine last year as well in September, um, but mine was a, it was like three quarters torn. Okay. So it, mine hurt just out of like movement, like pronating yes. uh, because it was still trying to hold on and it right. just couldn't. Uh, but once after surgery was definitely worse pain for a couple of days and then it eased up. But yeah, I had the same issue as you with the scar tissue breaking up in there. Um, and then I would notice even now, like I've had to relearn how to do things with my bicep because I started, uh, overusing forearm muscles or like your brachii or whatever, you know what I mean? To compensate. Well, I even developed some shoulder issues in the shoulder, obviously. And I think part of that was because I came back to training a little too fast. Like I trained the contralateral side hard. I mean, I was doing presses of every kind extensions. I was training delts. I was actually training delts on this arm, just getting a machine. I was on one of those machines where it's loaded here. Um, And so I could do delt raises to try to keep hypertrophy in my delts. Uh, Okay. Then I came back, let's say I tore it. I had surgery on April 10th and by June 10th, I was log pressing. So that was a, that's a fast turnaround. Yeah. And by July 10th, I was like, I was back to 90%. <laughs> but I think in that, like cleans hurt. So, so it's what, actually, two, three, three months. <laughs> yeah, barely started training two months after um, it cleans would hurt. So I mean, I had to make sure I had a perfect clean technique and I, and I've always had kind of a sloppy, I have a decent press, but I've always had kind of a sloppy clean but it worked for me because i would always have the log a little too low and mm-hmm. pin it low but it just i had it down to a science that i could clean up to 450 pounds so cleans never limited me at all cleans were cake and i had a really good fiber press um so i kind of got lazy with my clean and never bothered to improve it and then 
when I started training log again after this bicep tear, cleaning that low lit my forearms up and I would do some weird movements up here and compensate. So I really learned and really practiced getting it up high, um, which kind of threw off the mechanics of everything I'd learned and been doing for years. So it was interesting, but um, developed a shoulder issue and I had a herniated disc. I've been nursing for a long time. I've re-herniated it like three times. And so I was supposed to go for the log record at Waco. I ended up pulling out about six weeks before that, just because, um, I knew where my shoulder was at the issues I had developed with it. It wasn't going to get better with me pushing like this. Yeah. Um, I hit a really fast and easy 370 uh, in training. And then the very next, the very next training session, my shoulder wouldn't let me press 250. Oh, wow. I'm back past that now. Um, now I'm doing bodybuilding right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I still touch a log every now and again, just to kind of, yeah. I yeah. like it, you know, just to get a little feel for it. And mm-hmm. the last time I did log was probably a month ago and I did a 310 strict pretty easily. So, so it's still okay. there. Yeah, I'll keep I'll keep it there because I like that lift. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. yeah, that's a fun one. I I can't stay away from it for too long. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So it's been a good transition though, going to bodybuilding. Um, it's like something I've always wanted to do. And mm-hmm. uh, if I do come back to strength sports, I think I'll come back healthier and more well rounded and more balanced, more symmetrical. Yeah, so, yeah. You're gonna spend some time doing some like hypertrophy work, bodybuilding, and whatnot. Yeah, I've actually signed up for a couple shows. Oh no shit! How soon? Yeah, I have a. So I'm not gonna do my first one until. Uh, I'm going to do Pennsylvania muscle, which is August of next year. Now, if it takes me all that time to truly fully get ready, then um, I'll take that time. But coach thinks I might be ready late spring. Might do one just to kind of get my feet wet. Uh, so, yeah, I have a coach because I, I knew me. If I just said I'm going to lift light or I'm going to train for hypertrophy, I mean, maybe for three weeks. And then I'm going to see yeah. the guys doing stones while I'm there for Strongman Saturday. And it's going right. to be. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you got to keep your mind uh, really focused on a goal there. And I've always just... wanted to do it. It's always been a bucket list thing for me. I thought this is a perfect time. Change yeah. of stimulus. I can work around some of these injuries. I'm not as um, not as much spinal load. So one thing I love about it is I'm training really hard. Like I'm training really hard. Um, in some ways, I think it's harder than strongman. And uh, at the same time, I don't have that deep central nervous system fatigue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with strongman, the things that we do, it's so weird, right? So um, you could be training for two to three hours just because you're setting up stuff. Yeah. And so now it's nice to go in and be in and out in like an hour, hour and a half, have a killer session. Yeah. And, and I always be a lot less that. tired. Yes. I'm a lot less tired. I feel like I have a ton of energy mm-hmm. as compared to strongman training. I'm sure that'll get, that'll change as I get deep into a killer deficit. But Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That fatigue I'm, sets I'm pretty in pretty far, fast. Yeah, I'm pretty far away from that. I mean, we did an eight-week little body recomp. I lost like 12 pounds. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we're focused on growth and we'll just grow until my coach says, you know, hey, it's time to cut down. So we'll see. I grow and pretty you, quickly, so we'll see. And you already walk around as one of the heavier 105s making cuts, really, don't you? Yeah, I mean, like some of those guys back in the day, Matt Mills, John Wazisco, those guys um, – they used to cut down uh, James Deffenball. They would all cut from like 270 and stuff. Um, even Sean DeMarinis, man, he cuts from, yeah. he's, that boy's thick. Um, I typically would walk around around 260, sometimes 262. And then what I would do is I would just diet to no higher than 252. I did water cut from 252 to 231 and I hated that. It was awful. Um, 
don't recommend it. But uh, yeah, I typically like to diet to about 248 and then water cut the rest. Yeah. Yeah. That's reasonable. I mean, 17, anything under 20 is fairly. I do it as a, I typically think of it in terms of a percent of your body weight. So when I'm cutting with clients, um, I won't take any client past 7% of their body weight. So we figure out whatever that is. And then we diet accordingly to say, you will be this weight by this week or we're not water cutting, which will, you know, kind of motivate them as well to stay on track. Um, So I won't take a client to 7% and I've gone as high as 10% and that's pushing it. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. How long have you been doing nutrition? Um, So I've been doing nutrition, let's see, three and a half, four years now. So I started training, coaching people, well, actually about six years ago, um, started it as a business charging people like five years ago. Um, and then nutrition about three, three and a half. So what drove me down the nutrition path was my middle son has autism. And when we got his diagnosis, we just literally dug into everything we could to how do we help him. And uh, turns out for his situation, a gluten-free, dairy-free, like anything that reduces inflammation um, okay. is value added to him. And so you know, we started down that path. And what I just found fascinating right, was, right away was, okay, look how much he improves when he eats this way. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been trying to lose a little weight. And so then I'm just digging into nutrition for myself. And one thing I noticed was at the time I lost like 15 pounds and I was still training a strongman. I was getting stronger the entire time, but I was really focused on eating well, eating quality. Yeah. So I just started going down this rabbit hole of mainly quality nutrition and how overall total body health improves performance. And so I just kind of got addicted to that and realized um, it's funny how your passions will find you because I always saw myself as the meathead and I'm going to be, you know, uh, just doing programming and stuff mainly. And somewhere along the way, I developed the reputation of like being the nutrition guy, which I don't mm-hmm. mind. And I think it's clear from the things I post mainly about that's where my passions are. And so um, my client base has grown to largely that. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. You're the guy. I mean, your name gets tossed around quite a bit and uh, yeah. people asking for nutrition advice and whatnot. Right. So I know I even reached out to you like last mm-hmm. year, but yeah, There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How long? So you've been doing that about the same time that you've been actually doing clients then, right? Like you kind of transitioned into doing more nutrition, it sounds like, but. Yeah, yeah. I started doing nutrition pretty early, but um, uh, I mean, I have a pretty high client load. I don't like to, whew, some people, now I'm doing it full time now. This is all I do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can handle a significant client load. Um, I really don't like to get higher than 90. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. As it starts I mean, that's a lot. That's a good workload. It is a lot. It is. It's a, it's, oh. It is a lot. Um, it's different though. So I would say if I don't think I could handle 90 strength training programming clients, couldn't do that just because with nutrition, nutrition, I think I can scale a lot more. Like I could take, I could take 150 to 180 nutrition only clients versus it would be easier than mm-hmm. 75 programming training clients because Why is that? uh well because let's just see you know i put a ton of work in the nutrition side on the front end gathering all the data but if you're good at assessing biofeedback and good at making plans from the start when you get all of the initial data moving forward it becomes 
less technical and more, it should be minor tweaks, but a lot of times the conversations and my check-ins, um, you end up almost being like somebody's life coach, but it has to do a lot with behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, cause they know that they shouldn't eat a sleeve of Oreos. <laughs> That's I'm not, I don't need, they don't need me to tell them that. Yeah. Right. Um, so we dive deeper into conversations. We're like, well, well, why is that what you gravitate towards? Well, were you stressed? Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about stress. How do you manage stress? And so um, the check-ins then become uh, more conversational and it doesn't require as much back-end work. It's mm-hmm. more relational and relationship comes easy and it doesn't, you know, it takes time. Don't get me wrong, but the, you know, um, the bulk of the work when it comes to nutrition is on the front end. Of course, every now and again, you'll get somebody with a, a serious health issue or a gut issue that really needs to be problem solved or some mm-hmm. female who's, you know, estrogen dominant with super high cortisol or androgen dominant. Okay. now we're getting into the weeds and that stuff can take a little mm-hmm. more, but I enjoy that too. That's one of the things I love about nutrition is literally everyone's different, different physiology, lifestyle background. And so it's like Tetris, you know, I have a set of, I've been doing this for a long time now and, you know, I'm constantly trying to learn and refine things, but I have a set of principles that are pretty bedrock for me that I operate by. So those don't change. It's just the application. What does that look like for you versus for this client over here? And that's what's fun for me is it's not, you know, um, it's never the same. Like the principles stay the same, but the application is always different. And yeah. everybody has a different scenario. Programming would take, if you're doing it right, to have 75 programming clients, I mean, that's a lot of video analysis and yeah. a lot of critiquing and mm-hmm. that just that just takes a, it it takes me a lot more time um so so yeah i think i could scale nutrition further honestly the program yeah yeah what uh which one's more lucrative for you would be is nutrition i know typically people pay a little bit more for it's funny uh, on my prices actually pay slightly more for programming or charge slightly more for programming simply because of what i just said i think if you're doing it right i mean programming is programming and i'm not saying that like you can get you could be really good at programming or you could be really you know your plans can be simple and maybe just not nuanced um you know unless you're an idiot you're not gonna be really bad programming to me that's not where the value comes in the value comes in on looking at their video and you know mm-hmm. giving them that type that's the actual coaching otherwise you're just yeah. programming right. and actual coaching takes a long time i think to do yeah. it well um you know and you know, a little more than nutrition on average like i said sometimes in the nutrition world you know you get into some uh, in fact i know some coaches some high level coaches who don't have set prices they will charge based on the complexity of the scenario like they'll do a introductory call with somebody and kind of assess with them the degree of complexity and assign a value accordingly um, i don't do that i don't see myself doing that in the future um mm-hmm. You know, because I don't, I don't know how I would judge that equitably, but uh, I definitely think I could grow nutrition further. Like, if I'm looking long term, in terms of for me, is what lucrative? Is it just a money thing, or for me, I value freedom. Like, I don't need to make a ton of money, but if I make enough money um, to, you know, provide for my family, take care of my basic needs, and just and have that that freedom. Um, you know, that's super valuable to me, and I think I can do that yeah. better with with just nutrition, but, um, but I'm starting an entire other new business venture that I literally came up with while sitting in a deer stand, uh, two days ago and it's already blowing up. So, um, (laughs) I've actually had this idea for a long time. 
Uh-huh. But I think one of the things that made me successful as a coach isn't my knowledge set or anything like that. I mean, I'm passionate about it, but there's plenty of people that know more than I do. Um, mm-hmm. So that didn't really set me apart. But I had a decade of experience in the corporate world running multi-millions of dollars in businesses and being in charge of P&Ls and being a leader of leaders and things like that. And I think uh, understanding how to run a business and how to engage people just gave me an edge when I started my own coaching business. Um, because I had, you know, a lot of systems in place, processes on the business end. Um, and then just the ability to, from having spent years working with people to grow their careers, how to develop action plans and things like that, and learning how to judge personality types, it made it very easy to work with people of all stripes. And so, um, that just grew kind of organically, but based on my prior experience, I see a lot of people who are brilliant coaches, who their technical knowledge is is fantastic, smarter than I am. I, I know a lot of people who are smarter than I am, more qualified than I am, who cannot seem to get their business off the ground. They just can't get clients. And so what I think a lot of that is, is um, if you don't have business experience, if you don't have people leadership experience, if you don't know how to leverage social media, uh, you're really going to be behind the eight ball. And there's no degree program or even exercise science certification course. Like I don't see anything that bridges that gap. These courses and instructionals just teach you the basics of nutrition and the basics of compound movements and some assistance movements and super bare bones programming. And they turn you loose to train the world, but nobody is teaching people how to actually engage with people, how to be a leader and how to run an efficient business. So I'm launching a mentorship course basically that will go for four weeks. We'll meet one time a week for an hour, hour and a half via Zoom. And um, I, I'm keeping them to small groups of five, um, five or less, like three to five people. I want them small, I want them conversational. And I'm going to take them through, it's broken down into multiple categories, but basically things um you know, like building systems and processes. How do you set your price point? Like, how do you determine that? Um, you know, taxes, LLC, insurance, practical mm-hmm. things, building your brand, finding your niche, and you know, all of these things that other certifications and stuff don't teach. And yeah. uh, I just decided, like, think about it for years. And I had a couple people ask me that in my inbox the other day, and I just thought, why don't I just go ahead and do it? So I made this tweet, made this stuff. I made a general outline of all the things I wanted to talk to and said, you know, I'm limiting this to five people on November 1st. I had five people signed up within the hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> so then I opened, yes. Yeah, so then I opened up another class in November uh, that is filled. And my December is one away from being filled. And I have a couple people reserved for January. And I'm like, this all came up like in a deer stand, you know, yeah. two days ago. So yeah, now that's I'm, awesome. I'm, uh, I'm furiously researching and kind of developing uh, presentation for that so yeah strike while it's hot that's awesome yeah absolutely so i think there's a big need for it in our space um yeah people it's what's sad too is you know you get people who don't know anything who are just ignorant but they have charisma and a following and they can put anything they want out there and people are going to mm-hmm. gobble it right up and then i've got other people who i know are skilled coaches know their craft are passionate about their craft and their business is going nowhere. So yeah, I think I'm just trying to help coach that and help people, um, you know, enhance that people leadership side and the business acumen side. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And and now it's, I mean, it really all comes down to how you develop your social media engagement. I mean, if you're not doing that and like actively doing that, you're getting nowhere. Right. Right. Yep. So yeah, that's a tough thing that uh, a lot of people are behind on and still trying to figure it out. It's true. It's true. It's tough because I think people can also discern really quickly who's fake and who's not. Now, granted, we all know social media is just a highlight reel because everybody's yeah. just trying to portray that they're living their best life, right? You know, nobody mm-hmm. shares the, um, you know, my screaming kids in the background, like fighting over a toy and like the, sp- you know, nobody shares that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I think you know, being who you are genuinely, it's going to get you not liked by some people and that's just okay. There's just aren't your people. Yeah. It's all right. Yep. But you know, just being genuine, I took a social media course a while ago that helped me a lot, helped me grow. And, you know, I'd share my own lips. I used to track it down to a specific ratio. I don't anymore. Um, but I used to just, I post my lifts, try to post something educational, post funny stuff in the stories, occasionally post pictures of myself with other hobbies that I have so that people don't just see you as the meathead show pictures of your family, of your kids. So they can see what the dynamic of who you are as a person outside of that, because again, you know, um, people know if they go to my social media, I can be pretty outspoken about my opinions, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course that's going to get you um, rejected by some, but it's going to get you accepted by some as well. And uh, I'm just not a charade. It's who I am. It's how, it's just how I've always been. Um, yep. But I literally have had people work with me. Cause they're like, yeah, you know, um, we just, we like your vibe. We like what you're about, all this stuff. And it's funny because, well, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate and understand human nature. I'm like that's a really terrible reason to pick a coach because <laughs> you like their vibe. Like, would you like yeah. to ask me for referrals? Would you like to see some of the work I've done? Like, mm-hmm. you know, no, we like your vibe, man. But I think it's important to understand human nature practically if you want to impact people. Yeah, if you've got the the charisma and salesmanship, you can uh, give your lack of knowledge a pretty good price point and sell it to a lot of people. That you can understand, you know. Yeah, you can, but at the same time, if you don't know, eventually it'll get out, and people will mm-hmm. like it'll work for a little bit. Yeah, um, but I mean, I haven't advertised really. I'll throw occasional, like if I make a post and I'll say, "Hey, if you need help, hit me up." Um, but I haven't had to like put out an advertisement in years because all of my clients are word of mouth now. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's super value add. You know just if you can give them the best service possible. Um, and again, there are so many times I tell my clients, I don't know. I don't know, but I know people smarter than myself who we can get the answer. We'll figure this out. And so I think if you're vulnerable um, and can earn their trust, I mean, they'll be, they'll stay with you forever. And I have never had any issues getting clients because my clients come from existing clients, you know, their mom, yeah. their cousin or whatever you probably have a pretty high retention rate too like keeping them for a good amount of yes. time huh? yeah yeah about a year and a half um yeah which I, I think pretty good you're averaging a year and a half per mm-hmm. that's yeah that's pretty good yeah um and i tell people though like if you come to me for nutrition and you can't if you don't feel confident to do this on your own after like six months i've done a terrible job one of the things i started doing that i learned from uh the corporate world is i do exit interviews and i only i should have been doing this from the get-go but i will reach out to clients i'll make a note in my calendar when they're done working with me i'll reach out to them in six months 
and just see how they're doing. If they're still implementing the principles and things that I've taught them, then I think, okay, I've, I've made an impact. I did my job. If they're off yeah. the rails and, you know, I used to do meal plans. Um, Cause people just say, I just, I just need you to tell me what to eat, when to eat it. And I hate doing meal plans. One, they always work. If, if the person follows them, they'll always work. Cause it's mm-hmm. just, just do what I ask. It's be fine. But uh, I had horrendous exit interviews when I would give people meal plans because they never really learned. They just did what I said right. and went back to their old habits. Okay. Uh, and it sucks because I'll just be honest, meal plans are easy. You get somebody's base calories and, you know, listen, it's not hard. If you want to keep them low fat, you just toss a bunch of chicken and egg whites and tuna at them. Um you know, like here, this meal, have a cup of rice or, you know, whatever. You have a half a cup of rice here, have some oatmeal, toss some blueberries in there, have green veggies at each meal. I mean, it's really easy to write a quick meal plan and figure out their calories, their macros. Here's your training day. Here's your off day and just give it to them. And then what are you, now you're just collecting a check each month to be like, Hey, good job. Yeah. You're a cheerleader. So I think, <laughs> I think coach, I think giving them macros, but then putting structure around it and offering feedback on the meals and building out with those macros is a hell of a lot harder um, in terms of time, but you're actually going to teach them. They're actually going to learn. And I don't think people should count macros for the rest of their life. Like doing math with your food is pretty stupid. Um, But I think it's important that everybody know how to do it. I think it teaches you a lot about how to relate to food. So uh, see, that's my thought on it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, my, uh, my girlfriend does, uh, nutrition for bodybuilders and bikini girls and yeah. figure athletes and all, yeah. all the above. And she has a similar principle as far as doesn't do meal plans. I mean, she will, I think if somebody really, really requested it, but she sure. likes to do, you know what I mean? Teaching and you Absolutely. know working through everything so that they understand why they're doing it. I actually coach, I have uh, three girls, three bikini girls right now and a figure girl that I'm coaching. And um, bodybuilding for me is is a lot of fun. Uh, pretty much the, the strength world, and I'm not trying to crap on the strength world. I love it and I'm part of it and want to come back to it. But strength athletes are disasters when it comes to nutrition. I mean, <laughs> we would drink sewage water if it told us that we were going to get 50 pounds on a deadlift. So, yeah. uh, and we're also horrendously behind the eight ball in terms of biomechanics and movement. Like we just don't care. We just lift stuff. Mm-hmm. And so every seminar I've ever attended on nutrition or biomechanics and movement has always been bodybuilding. So I've had a big bodybuilding influence in my own training and programming and nutrition for, I mean, a long time. Um, So uh, yeah, I think bodybuilders are worlds ahead of the strength world when it comes to nutrition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be hard to argue that. I, uh, I mean, I started originally in bodybuilding, did a bodybuilding show and two physique shows. Um, And then up until two years ago, I only trained bodybuilding and then would touch uh, events about two to three weeks out. Oh, wow. And I wasn't doing exceptionally well, obviously, because I wasn't well versed in specific techniques with the events, but my, I was physically much healthier. Oh, you're physically healthier, but too, there's also got to be that neurological component to where you're, 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 you're training a, a different energy system entirely. You know, yeah. if there's a max log, you know, that's gonna be tough. Yeah. Yeah. I luckily, a lot of the comps I was from Alaska. Uh, so got a lot it. of the comps there, there's, there's not a whole lot of sure. the numbers you have to hit in those comps aren't, aren't high enough to really be tested. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I feel yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But the other thing was like, I felt more in tune back then with like what I was using when, whereas mm-hmm. I've spent the last two years, almost strictly doing two and a half years, almost strictly doing strongman specific stuff. And I feel like I've just completely dumped all of the mental connection to specific muscles just out the window yeah. in that Which time is, span. And it's wild. It's totally fine in terms of, you know, for, for strength, but it's tough because I think if strongmen could embrace I see this a lot. I was talking to a bodybuilder friend of mine who used to be a strongman, and a lot of strongmen will completely overestimate their ability and their strength on their main movements, and then sandbag on their accessories. If we could get people to switch that just a little bit, you know, okay. coach says RPE eight, and you actually do an RPE eight on your front squats instead of. Oh, and push you a little bit, you know, and then you have this crappy form or this max out attempt or something in the gym with, with shitty form. And then and their accessories are supposed to be leg extensions with the two count <clears throat> paws, uh, supersetted with Bulgarian split squats, um, you know, and they're just, they're on Instagram in between just doing these half-ass leg extension sets. And they're, they're, they're not really progressing or they're doing body weight split squats because they're not really pushing. They're not trying to, yeah. you know, they're just kind of half-assing it. And I'm like, man, if we could instead keep a little back on the main movements, really go ham and really push those accessories, you would see healthier, you know, uh, athletes. You would see um, stronger athletes. I think, in my opinion, um, yeah, yeah, it's just definitely, uh, yeah. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, you got to change of- that. You got to change that internal dialogue to it's not an accessory. This is just another main movement I need to do, right? Well, that's tough because it's it's a main movement, but it it because now you need that mind muscle connection. You know, listen, if I'm doing an overhead press, I don't want to feel my delts or feel my triceps or chest. I just want to put the bar over my head. Yeah, that's all I want to do. But then when I'm doing lateral raises, you know, I'm hinging at the hip to make sure the angle's just right and. You know, instead of just going through the movement, you know, I'm picking a weight that's reasonable so I can actually, you know, reach out the elbows and the traps don't take over. And like, there's a lot of thought. And I find that bodybuilding, I'm mentally tired because mm-hmm. it requires so much of a focus, Yeah, you know, over strength. But mm-hmm. I mean, both have their value. I'm absolutely loving doing bodybuilding now. I absolutely love it because I love how I feel. Um, and it's just, it's a new challenge. It's fun to just suck at something <laughs> and yeah. uh because i feel like i'm also getting the newbie gains too again oh like, yeah dude, sure. yeah you know just because dude i don't change the stimulus yeah. yeah exactly i haven't done reps on anything and so um you know at this point in the strength game you might fight and claw all year long for a 10 to 20 pound pr on a, on a compound movement whereas with bodybuilding i'm like week one of hack squats i can barely do like two plates and then 10 weeks in, 10 weeks in, I'm doing seven plates aside and I'm grinding it out. It's just like strength is just climbing. And that first day, that first set, I felt miserable. I'm like, this is, a, this is ridiculous. I thought my quads were strong. I'm horrendously weak, but it's a new stimulus. So the gains are coming quickly. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And all that new stimulus into new fascia that hasn't even been a lot of stuff has probably never even been like flexed in the way that it should be. Oh, it's going to come back when you get back into the strength game and just help your other lifts that much more. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, I mean, I, I am hitting hamstrings. Like I have never hit hamstrings in my life. <laughs> my deadlift is going to be something goofy when I go back to strength. Training. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I have been, I would, 
had terrible hamstrings, you know, and never really addressed it. Like, again, like I said, I would do a couple sets of good mornings and maybe some half-assed leg curls. <laughs> and I mean, and coaches destroying my hamstrings and I'm sitting yeah. I'm checking pictures. And I'm like, look at that meat slab hanging down. I've never seen that before. <laughs> That's cool. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Didn't you have a, a leg injury of some sort too, like a torn labrum or something? What was that? Was a shoulder? That was, a oh, shoulder. was your shoulder? Oh, shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was slap tear. Um, along with, and again, I think a lot of that was aggravated by the bicep and just really mm. terrible technique. And then one day in particular, I was an idiot. This was training for Waco, and I go to strict press out of the rack, and my dumbass put an extra twenty five on one side. And when I went like this to stabilize, I literally heard a crunch that night. I'm oh like, no. Oh. Yeah, and it was just a dull ache. Again, I heard the noise. I'm like, man, it's be fine. And it was a dull ache that got horrendously terrible over the next three weeks. And then, which is when I pulled out of Waco, and then it slowly started getting better. I was seeing a chiropractor twice a week for about two months. Um, he's yeah. working on that in my low back. I had horrendous sciatica pain. And I feel pretty good now. My shoulders are slowly coming back. I'd mm-hmm. say they're about 80%. I bench press, I incline benched like uh, 365 for a set of seven. Um, so, and it was kind of painful, but it wasn't like stabbing pain. I pushed through it. So, yeah. okay, we're still there. Strength is still there. That's good. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, you'll be doing plenty of incline doing bodybuilding. Yes. Yes. There's a wall. And it's tough too because I have notoriously small calves. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, the, but the problem is it's made even worse by the fact that my quads are huge. Mm-hmm. My quads always have been huge. That's a genetic thing. And my legs are blowing up. Now we're working calves a lot, but it's like my cal- my calves are not like there's other guys with smaller calves, but because my quads are so big too, it makes it look even more goofy. So I'm handling yeah. those. But then, you know, eight years plus of strong man gives you really wide hips and ass. So you just can't do anything about. And so in order to create that illusion, we're going to thick core too, man. Yeah. Very thick core. Like my core almost comes like, like it comes down like a box. And then goes out for my obliques. <laughs> like there's there's none of this going on. So to create yep. that illusion, we're working a ton of lats, widening the shoulders, yep. widening the delts, getting got to get this huge upper body to kind of create that illusion. So huge upper body, huge legs to create that illusion, even more so. Um, and then pressure to have the calves keep up with it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's so tough. my coach, my coach knows what he's doing. I trust him a lot, and he's been. Is doing- it? Did you change? Were you using a coach specific for strongman, and then changed to go yes. bodybuilding? Or okay. yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I've had several coaches in strongman, all of them great. Um, and I intentionally moved around a little bit with coaches in strongman because I was a coach myself, and I wanted to see different methodologies and different styles. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. perfect because I learned so much from each of them picked up what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, but yeah, I've got a coach specifically for bodybuilding and he's a fantastic dude. Um, cares in great detail about your health, not just, um, he's not gonna be like, Hey, take all these drugs, do two hours of cardio yeah. and we'll put you on stage. Then yeah. take your money. Like he's going to put you on stage when you're ready to be on stage and be able to do so in a healthy way. Um, so I appreciate that. He's put a lot of, he's, He's got a lot of pro cards under his belt and things like that. He's honestly, it's funny. He's one of the unsung heroes on Instagram. You go to his page. He's got like 3000 followers. He doesn't have this huge following and, um, and he has a very successful business. So he's not an example of the type of person I'm talking about at all. His business, his coaching business is very, very yeah. successful, but it just goes to show, you know, um, it's not just all the followers and the For sure. yeah. flashy marketing, you know, there's some mm-hmm. gems out there hidden who've got, very minimal followers who are just doing some fantastic work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're out there. Yeah. Yeah. 
what uh you how, what was the time frame on your show you were saying it was pittsburgh um, right no i'm in lancaster um it, it's pennsylvania uh pennsylvania that's what i'm sorry yeah yeah absolutely so i'm going to do that the pennsylvania show pennsylvania muscle I believe it's called in august that's the one i said hey i want to do this august. show um, if he feels like I'm ready beforehand, I might do one in the spring. Okay. Um, so we'll see. I kind of would, part of me would like to do one in the spring, like, you know, to, to win Pennsylvania muscle would be pretty cool. You know, it's my home state. Yeah. Doing that. Um, are you doing, you're planning on open heavy? Yeah, I'll have to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, you so. cut to, how tall are you? Six foot. Yeah, you'd have to be like two eighteen to do classic physique. So, so well, and yeah, we talked about uh, my coach and I talked about it. He just says I don't have the build for classic. Yeah, there's there's yeah. just no way that I'm going to get my yeah that blocky core ways. is not going to get you anywhere there. <laughs> no, I have to do bodybuilding. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could still see myself getting that low in body weight though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I not mean, un- unreasonable. No, I mean, I have, I have plenty to lose and it, it, it's eye-opening too. You know, that first week we did that little, the first eight weeks we did our little cut. I lost 12 pounds. I thought, man, yeah. I liked how I look, but you'd think 12 pounds would look a little bit different. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to go from this to stage lane, I'm probably going to lose another like 30, you yeah. know? So honestly, I could see myself stepping on, on stage at about 215. Yeah. Uh, okay. Something like that. Um, we'll see. You probably well, have two, like. Also depends your- on which I grow. You know. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And then, I mean, with your injuries that are still healing, you probably have a few pounds worth of inflammation alone. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be true. I never really think about that. Um, but yeah, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. It's, I mean, I don't want to do, I don't want to do anything halfway. I would like to do a show in the spring um, to kind of get my feet wet before really yeah. attacking the, the PA muscle. Um Yeah. We'll see, but I but I totally trust my coach. If he's like, "No, we're not doing it," then I'm just be like, "Okay, let's just yeah, let's go after this one." So. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know a lot of people like to do um, like warm up shows, especially if you've never done it, just to see like how you peak. Because I mean, it's a oh, absolutely very That's intricate process. process there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is um, very very different from uh, strongman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I'm loving it. It's a good thing. Perfect, perfect timing too. So yeah, you're lo- you're loving it because you're you're not dieted yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had plenty. I can I can suffer through that. Um, yeah, yeah, you've made some big cuts. I know that you can handle yeah. it. It's just the monotony. Um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you this. I I wouldn't want to live a bodybuilder life. Like that's who I am. And yeah, you know, um, if I do really well to show and. You know, I went to overall or something and coach was like, yeah, you got potential. Like you could go pro. I mean, like how cool would that be to be pro in two disciplines? I'm like, all right, uh, mm-hmm. maybe I will chase that a little bit, but no, I have too many other things in life. I want to do. Um, I definitely don't want to live this lifestyle. I love a healthy lifestyle and I'll always lift and I'll always watch my nutrition. Um, but again, my method, like if I'm into something, I'm all the way in. So right. when coach sent me my meal plan, like I just have that to the gram. Like there's just no other way. That's what we're going to do. And it's mm-hmm. just what we're going to do. Um, at the same time, it'll be nice. As my kids get older and stuff, like if we're just randomly driving on a summer day and we want to stop and get ice cream, I'm stopping to get ice cream. <laughs> like period, full stop. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, uh, just live life and live a life of balance and stuff. Plus I do also love jujitsu. So I've been training jujitsu and I can see myself competing in that in the future as well. So okay. Yeah. We'll see. Lots yeah, of options. There's 
there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of static holds and tendon strength built up with jujitsu yes. movements yeah yes um my shoulder and my bicep have been stressed a lot if i even see an armbar yeah. coming on this side like i tap at the thought of an armbar <laughs> i'm like oh, tap. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no. Um, yeah it's brutal some of those holds are just no joke man uh it's funny if uh if i'm getting if i'm getting arm barred or leg locked or wrist locked or something like that, i'm gonna tap right away like just reset mm-hmm. why if i yeah. for whatever reason when i'm getting choked i'm like i will fight through this i will and then the next <laughs> thing i know everybody's laughing and you know picking me up off the floor um i mean as long as you're not sparring or rolling with anybody that's an asshole and they let go at the right time like you're not really risking any permanent damage with that one but somebody yeah, can no. break your wrist pretty easily break your arm whatever you know Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always nice to, uh, our class is really, there's a lot of experience, a lot of good dudes in there. And because I'm one of the bigger guys, it's limited how many people who even want to roll with me. Cause I just, oh, say, I bet, yeah. like, oh, I'm like, guys, I am a novice. Like, you, you can roll with me, but I like rolling with some of the um, higher belts. Like I, I roll with a Brown belt right now and he's great because I'm bigger. So he has to, it challenges him because there are things he just can't do Mm -hmm. uh, because of my shoulders, like just moves that he can't do. And so it challenges and pushes him. And then when he teaches me like the older, the higher belts have more control more self-control. So when you're rolling, when you're sparring, they know not to be an asshole. When you're a white belt, you're just a spaz. Don't know what you're doing. Like that's, those are the, and I worry about that as well, because it's like, you know, we were practicing double leg takedowns the other day. And, uh, and he's explained to me how to do it. And I do it. I mean, I just laid him out, dude. I mean, it was just boom. And, and he loved it. He was great. And then he does it to me and he's like all gentle and like sets me down. You know, and it's just I'm like, oh man, I'm one of those white belts. I just went way too hard, but you got to learn. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said that you competed strongman for eight years. So yes. I know you got your pro card in 19, right? 19. Yeah, that's right. So that's what f- it took five years. Yep. Yep. It seems to be a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. You could do it faster if you start younger. And I was 27 yeah. when I started Strongman. So mm-hmm. I was older. I had, um, I had a family, you know, wife and kids. And so I would train fasted first thing in the morning, like 5 a.m., up at four at the gym by five. I trained in a commercial gym and I would touch the implements on the weekend. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think five is a reasonable time frame if you've got a lot of other outside responsibilities. But yeah, it took yep. me a while. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a sport that anybody makes a real living off of yet sure. anyway, you know what I mean? So you got to have priorities in the life and, you know, right. And it's a ex- tough challenge because uh, speaking to that point, um, you know, no strongman doesn't pay me directly, but I would not have my career if it were for strongman that I do now. True. Yeah. I mean, it enabled it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's funny because I saw myself in my early years of strongman getting addicted to the point where it was detrimental to my family. Okay. Um, uh, just because I'm putting all my passion there, my family is getting the worst of me, right? They're not getting the best of me. They're getting the tired, exhausted, beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it, yeah, you, some people can say, well, you sacrificed and look where you were. It's, it's a tricky thing to think through. Like I encourage a lot of young guys and you can do this with any hobby. 
any hobby can just be your all the thing that just sucks you in and it's important but when you have a family and other responsibilities it's a uh, it's important to make sure you balance that i wish i would have done that better i would have made of looking back i would have done things a lot differently um, yeah. but then but then who knows if i wouldn't have been as obsessed what i've gotten to where i am it's, it's a tough thing it's it's definitely tough you know yeah um but like i said i'm one of those guys who's all in and you know, I, I knew within my first or second competition, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pro. And it wasn't because it was just because because back then that was the only way to compete with the best. Mm-hmm. So I learned who the best were and at the time. Um, you know, it was Def and Bond, Tyler DeMarinas and Hershon uh, DeMarinas rather. And, um, uh, you know, those guys and mm-hmm. like, uh, Anthony Furman and then Terry Rady. I'm like, I want to compete against those dudes. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. So I'm like, all right, I got to get my pro card. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then did you compete at you didn't compete at asm that year right because it didn't line up no i did that way, but you went oh the first year in 19 i did i did oh I okay two, it was two weeks after nationals oh I no getting, <laughs> i ended up getting seven i didn't train for it at all it was okay. just it was in my hometown and i was like high on you know coming i'm like i just got my pro card yeah screw it i'm gonna compete in asm so i didn't train for a single one of those events um i oh, still wow. ended up coming in seventh in my first one which wasn't too bad out of how many people competed that year? Uh, 12. So, oh, okay. That's about standard number. Yeah. Yeah. It was about 12 people. But I mean, I was like, hey, I beat some of the pros. That's cool. You know, yeah. I'm not training. I ended up pulling a 967, 18 inch deadlift. And for nationals, that's pretty that good. Year, yeah. Yeah. Well, for nationals, that you hadn't trained it at all. And for nationals that year, we were training the uh, axle deficit dead from a. Yeah. I was there. I competed. Four-end. Oh, it was miserable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Screw our spine. So that was the year I went pro. And then, when did ASM right after that? So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you went to the Arnold as a heavyweight, right? For the in the amateur yeah, class, I, I kind of got screwed in that one because so the year I won my pro status, um, obviously the top six percent or whatever can go to the Arnold, but I had actually earned my Arnold spot by winning the Platinum Plus show the April prior, the April of that year. So, okay. April of 2019, I won Beast of the Bluegrass, which is Platinum Plus, mm-hmm. got my got my bid to the Arnold fall of that year i won my pro card i said to dion i had a conversation with dion at nationals the banquet i was like hey i want to do the arnold but now i'm a pro how does that work can i still do the arnold and she's like you can still do the arnold as an amateur because you know um you earned it as an amateur and it's been within the calendar year i'm like oh sweet okay yeah so she she's like after that though you know okay cool so i signed up as a 105 and this is like nationals is october yeah nationals is october asm that year was like first week of november mm-hmm. end of november i get an email from strongman corporation listing everybody uh who's competing and it had heavyweight by my name i was like well nope, that's wrong so i i messaged dion she goes oh yeah I forgot to tell you since you competed at ASM, you activated your pro status. So now you're no longer eligible. For, oh, okay. And competing at the Arnold is like, it's a dream. So mm-hmm. the only way I had to do it, I'm like, well, I'm never going to be a heavyweight pro. And I'm never even really going to pursue that. So mm-hmm. this is my only shot to compete at the Arnold. So she was like, yeah, you compete as a heavyweight. I'm like, well, screw it. I guess at least I have to cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I ended up doing okay. My goal was to finish in the top half of the class. There were 32 people and I finished 16th. <laughs> so right. Dead center. Nice. Dead center. Yeah. Man. Dead That's freaking awesome. center. Yeah. Yeah. 
right was it, I was uh, it was a disaster. Like uh, the yoke was like a nine hundred pound yoke. I mean, it took me every bit of like a minute. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a good yoke runner at all. That was that was brutal. No, it was a nine twenty yoke because I had run. I did nine hundred at ASM. Mm-hmm. Um, that was hard, but I did it better. I did it like 40 seconds or something. I'm slow at you, know, uh, especially heavy ones. And then 920 at the Arnold. I mean, I did it, but it was like Frankenstein, yeah. really slow. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. It's a lot of weight, man. I'm terrible at yoke too. That's my worst event. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, did you compete at all between that and then ASM when you won in 2020? Did I? That's a good question. No, no, I didn't. No, no. So okay. that's that was year I moved back to Pennsylvania right after the Arnold. Um, didn't do anything. COVID, but we were in the height of COVID. So we were thought yeah. everything was getting canceled. Like nothing was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, ASM was on. Did ASM and, and yeah, and ended up winning. It's interesting. I didn't, I didn't walk into that. Con- you always walk into that contest if you're a true competitor wanting to win and aiming mm-hmm. to win. But yep. I didn't walk in with the expectation I would win. My goal, my personal goal was top five. And okay. I thought... I, I know that I was, I mean, I had a fantastic training cycle leading up to it. Like you know, I had been dealing with um, the Arnold that I competed in, by the way, too. I had herniated my disc three weeks before. I mean, I was barely functional at the Arnold. Um, so I had a, fat, a fantastic training cycle the whole way through. I was able to avoid low back injuries because the deadlift, the ASM that year was a front handle car deadlift, basket deadlift from like yep. 12 inches or something. So mm-hmm. um just enough like my weak spot is the floor you you you, you heighten you, you raise it at all and yeah. all of a sudden you know i'm in the i'm in the game um yeah you were into the double digits right i was there yeah i hit 12 yeah. yeah okay yeah. um they allowed touch and go but again if you allow it and we'll go leverage it absolutely uh, yeah. you're stupid if you don't and they allow it you know absolutely absolutely yeah. stop and go i think i realistically would have had like eight or nine i was feeling strong that day i mean i was feeling right. it um, but yeah, so I knew that I knew I was going to be competitive. I knew that, uh, I wasn't, uh, I was, I was aiming to make a statement that, you know, that belonged there. Um, yep. and then at the end of day one, I was like, I had like a four point lead and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> this yeah. is, I was like, okay, this is getting like realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, which created a lot of pressure and Nick Canby is undisputedly, you know, one of the most impressive 105s of all time, at least in the top yeah. three. And mm-hmm. um, he was on my ass. <laughs> yeah. The entire competition. Um, I mean, he was right there. So, uh, yeah, I really had to go all out. I'm also not a good Husafel. I'm just, I haven't been good at that for whatever reason. I always have a hard time controlling my breath. So it's not okay. like pain or anything like that. It's just, it's breathing and I black out. I mean, you got 300 plus pounds on your chest too. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's funny when I started Strongman, it was all the static movements that I was trash at and I would make up a ton mm-hmm. of points. And I would win with the moving events. Like mm-hmm. I could haul ass the 600, 650 yoke or, you know, farmers at a reasonable weight or clean and press log for reps. Like those sorts of things kept me in the game. It was the static things that, and then over time that kind of shifted. Uh, okay. to where some of the more moving events yeah they got heavier but i just got honestly not conditioned very well um <laughs> but yeah i ended up doing really well in that i think i placed like fourth but that got me some really good points i came second place on the truck pool um mm-hmm. that one was big that was big i got beat by a tenth of a second by justin loy justin yeah um but i got that one 
I was fortunate because I had JF Carone help me with that. He's very mm-hmm. good at a, at a puller. He just, I trained, I did nutrition coaching for a bunch of his clients at his gym. Um, so he reached out. Uh, he saw my, saw my video and training of me uh, doing the arm over arm pull. I was like, no, 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 this is all wrong. (laughs) Like everything you're doing, stop. So he helped me even from the grip techniques of washing my hands with alcohol first, and I'm really dry, base coat of liquid chalk, really thick, and then regular chalk on top of that. And then a lot of people were bending down and literally using all their upper back to pull. And he was like, if you're smart with this, you're going to leg press this fast. Yeah. And so I got the, you know, one, two, one, two, one, two, I got my timing down right on the rope. And then, I mean, I just leg pressed with all of my, and finished with a little pool, leg press, yeah. finish with a pool. And a lot of guys weren't doing that. They were just trying to use their back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that gave me an advantage. So I got really good points there. It was like, okay, on the bag toss. Um, and going into the last event, that was tricky because Camby's a good loader. Like he can load stuff really well. Um, I knew I had to, I believe going into the last event, I think I could have gotten like third place and still won the show. Okay. Uh, it was like third or fourth place, but there's still pressure and I'm dead last to go. Right. Cause I get that advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember watching this and I'm seeing a lot of guys struggle on that last bag guys that yeah. were really strong too. And my gym didn't have any bag bigger than 300. Never yeah, it was a 360, 360, right? 360. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I saw can be loaded, but he bobbled it. Mm-hmm. He bobbled it. It took him a minute to get it up there. And he was the one who was on my on my tail the biggest. Yeah. And so I just, when they call my name, I just went really slowly. And I know it's split times, but I thought if I can just do this consistently and if I can load that bag and not bobble it and drop it, then I win. Yeah. And so I didn't sprint. I mean, I jogged to each one. That last bag, I just leaned over and it, I mean, it didn't even feel like anything. I don't know if it was just because like I knew it at that point. I kind of had it in the bag. All I had to do was pick this up. It was just really funny how those competition moments, you just kind of get in the zone. Because I remember yeah. like, two weeks later being back in the gym and going to do some sandbag runs and like the 280 bag. I'm like, oh, it's so heavy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I didn't want to pick it up. I go to pick it up and I'm struggling. I'm like, dude, you just hoisted 360 like it was cake just two weeks yeah. ago. Well, and here you are yeah, that, that 360 gym. bag was fucking up some of the uh, heavyweights. So yeah, yeah, I, mean, I don't know watch. what it is. I mean, I did, like I said, I had a great training cycle. Um, yeah, I went into that competition healthier than I've ever gone into a competition. Okay, and I think you know, and we all know the way strongman works. It's like, look, we're all these people belong to be there, and that thing could shake out any number of ways, and it's probably all deserved, you know. Yeah. Um, it just happened to be the right day for me. So mm-hmm. definitely wasn't expecting it walking into that weekend. I, I walked, I, you know, that weekend. I I knew, like I said, it was going to be competitive, but I didn't think I'd win it. So yeah, so that was a nice little bucket list item knocked off early. There you go. Yeah, it I coincided mean, you went in... with my injuries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you went in and made the statement you were wanting to make. So yeah, and then uh, it all started falling apart after. <laughs> it did, man. I, I think I didn't rest. And then I got the, uh, obviously I was invited to clash 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was all geeked up for that. But then I got the opportunity to go to Russia. And I just, I think I started pushing too hard for that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How'd you manage the the Russia invite? How did that come down the pipeline? Dion asked me. Okay. <laughs> and originally, here's the tricky part too. Originally, it was supposed to be a team competition. So I thought, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So turning it into an individual, like, well, that sucks. Of course, I'm going to get, you know, curb stomped, but it was still such a blast. Um, some people, because of the COVID stuff, certain teams didn't show up. So they didn't really have enough to make it viable team competition. So it turned into an individual. And so okay. I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm competing against Konstantin Janashia. Great. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Rauno Heimla, you know. Yeah. Um, so but it was fun, man. It was, it was a blast getting to hang with those guys. They're all super cool, super down to earth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an experience of a lifetime for sure. Oh, it was a blast, man. Yeah. Yep. I uh, roomed with Travis Ortmeyer, which he's become a good friend of mine. He's a cool dude. But yeah, we had a lot of a lot of fun over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like Travis. I got to bullshit with him a little bit at uh, ASM. You were there too. Yeah. Uh, at the after party and everything. It was it was cool. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a really good dude. Yeah. What uh you have plans for Clash this year? Are you gonna try and qualify? No, no, I'm not. Um this is super nerdy. Just just going to focus all on the bodybuilding. I'm all in on bodybuilding. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I don't, like I said, I would love to come back to strongman. If I do, it'll be on my terms though. Just in terms of, um, I like how I'm feeling to be perfectly honest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I still very well may. And I mean, when I turn 40, I want to come back and max some masters. <laughs> okay. How old do you know? I got, I got some time for that though. 34. Okay. Yeah. I, I got, time. I got plenty of time for that. Um, no, I may come back to a strong man. I miss it. And I know every time I watch people compete, the bug bites me and I'm like, huh. but, but right now though, I'm all in on bodybuilding. Yeah. Like I said, I, I have to be that way. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So yeah, you get distracted um, by something shiny real quick. If you don't have a real goal. Exactly. Exactly. And this is just, like I said, it's perfect timing. Um, I'll let my body truly heal. And I'll just see, see how i feel if i'm if i go in the gym and i start plinking around with strongman and stuff and everything's clicking all right mm-hmm. you know yeah and we'll give it go a try go. and take I, back your title uh, i don't know um <laughs> i i honestly want to press a 400 pound log in a competition and i think i can do that and okay. um they're hosting a competition this year to break the 105k world record on the stone load and yep. no no disrespect intended at all nobody's breaking 500 this year i just i don't see it um yeah that'd be tough i think i, I, think, I think 450 to 470 is in the 450 range of possibilities. Get done. i've done 455 yeah. and there's plenty of stronger loads yeah. than me um mm-hmm. isaac Mays is high on my list and yeah. ryan saxton that boy is a freak and he's a uh an up-and-coming nick candy uh, mm-hmm. if he stays healthy um that that boy is going to be a problem in the future he's so young in the sport mm-hmm. um completely natural and super strong. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he killed it at class this year. Yep. Yeah, he, he started did. strongman like a year and a half ago or something silly. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. He's so new to strongman. Um, when I was there at clash, just helping out. I mean, he was literally, at, he had never done some of the things there at all and mm-hmm. was asking guys their opinion on how he should do it. Like minutes before <laughs> it was his turn. And then he just, and he just slaughtered it. He's yeah. just one of these farm strong. You're like, where did this kid come from? Yeah. And, you know, and Ryan, no disrespect if you're listening, dude, like he's one of those guys you look at him and you go, oh, he recreationally lifts and probably bet, brags about benching 300, you know, to his <laughs> buddies. 
Yeah. You know, he doesn't look like one of these stacked muscle monsters. And then he just goes out there and is strong and athletic. Like, yeah, he's going to be a problem in the future. That's uh, that's how I felt. And no disrespect if he listens to this, but Congdon and Waco. Yeah, yeah. yeah looking at him. Um, oh, I you know, knew he'd I be dangerous. I, and I've heard that. And I knew everybody yeah. said that he was definitely like a favorite to podium. Um, but I'd never seen him before. I'd never met him. I didn't sure. know anything about his lifts. And, and just he's seeing pretty unassuming. Him and him, yes, absolutely. Yeah, very unassuming. He's tremendously he, unassuming. And uh, he has the right mindset. He's just, oh, yeah. he's incredibly analytical and detailed uh, with his training. Um, and at the same time, he can just turn on this raging beast Absolutely. some people are yeah. some people can they operate in that world of kind of crazy and they have really terrible technique which does not work well um their careers are usually short-lived and explosive he's like this healthy combination of detailed and analytic and then can just go ham <laughs> yep yeah yeah i saw that firsthand in waco and it was impressive and yes. he i mean he all but ran away with that competition it was wow. Right. Yeah, against some dudes that like just looking at him on an aesthetic standpoint, you would think would have dominated. Well, that's he's another natural one. Yeah, too. Yeah. So that's that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means you know if he ever goes down that road, it's going to be scary. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to face him. I'd be honest with you. Some people ask me, "Hey, do you have what it takes? Do you think you have what it takes um, to go back and reclaim my title?" And I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I think I do mentally, um, but to be perfectly blunt with you. I don't know that I want to give what it takes, not with the family. Mm. And I know what kind of time commit. Um, There's a commitment on a whole lot of levels to do that. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I think I've proved I'm strong enough and I could push myself to that brink, but um, I know what sort of commitment that means and takes away from my family. So I don't know that like right now, bodybuilding is allowing me to kind of scratch that itch, the competitive Mm -hmm. itch in a way that leaves me still feeling fresh and energetic for my family. And I'm in and out of the gym an hour, hour and a half tops. Okay. I'm like, you can't, you can't like that to me, as my kids are getting older, you know, other things start to become a little bit more valuable to me, Mm -hmm. but um, I know it sounds stupid, but I've always wanted to be like, after like 10 years, you know, competing actively in strongman for 10 years has always been a thing in my head. So in order to do that, I got to compete at some point next year. So I thought about just for, for fun, even like my gym hosts competitions, jumping into maybe a heavyweight amateur show at my yeah. gym, maybe, you know, next November, December, if I compete in August, that's going to give me enough time to start training again and gain a little weight back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I know it sounds goofy, but I'll probably do some competitions um, just for fun. Yeah. Hey, who knows? It also depends on events too. I mean, they could announce Dion could be like, "Hey, uh, 105k ASM, you know, well uh, next year, Strength Leads hosting it." Um, so they could announce, "Hey, it's going to be here, and the events are going to be, you know, 18 inch deadlift for reps, log." Uh, last man standing, Husafel, um, like they could be, and then stoned. They could be events that are all in my favor that yeah. bring me a lot of joy to train. Yeah. I don't know. You could talk me into it. But yeah. if they're like, hey, Max Axel Clean Impress, I'm like, nah, I pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah, it's really easy to be enticed back into the, the world if it's it all lines up in that way. I love it. I'm get, I'll always be a part of it. Cause I'll always mm-hmm. coach people who are a part of it. Um, uh, 
I'm doing my best to be in Roanoke for nationals in a couple of weeks. Uh, okay. Cause I've got some clients competing there. I'm an idiot mm-hmm. and totally got, I have clients competing at masters nationals and regular nationals. And I got the dates for those backwards in my head. So oh, my no. in-laws, well, it doesn't affect my clients, but my in-laws live in Roanoke. So for me, I can just go there and say, so my family and I had planned this nice long weekend to my in-laws next weekend. I was going to hunt, stop in at nationals. It's going to be great. And then the realization hit me yesterday. I'm like, no, no, that is master's nationals. That is next week. Mm-hmm. So I may go to Roanoke and just hunt this next weekend. And then I may go down there the following weekend. It's only about five hours from my house. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, whatever. Is masters. And uh, where is masters being held? Uh, that's Orlando at the Olympia. So oh, they're doing it there too. Oh, okay. And so is ASW. Yes. Yeah, so is ASW. That's right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I would have loved to, I don't know, worked a way to get down there for that. It'd be fun to be in yep. Orlando, but uh, mm-hmm. didn't work out this time. Yeah. We got, uh, my girl's best friend is doing uh bikini amateur at the Olympia. Oh, so awesome. we were, okay, we cool. were attempting to figure out how to go and watch and stuff. And then we wound up with our move lining up right now. So, right, 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 right. Um, my coach will be there. He's got multiple athletes at the Olympia and his fiance also coaches. She's a, um, a wellness pro and, oh. uh, yeah. So she coaches as well. So they have a bunch of athletes. They'll be there. Yeah. Super cool. That'll Super be a cool fun event. weekend. Yes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, Orlando is definitely a, it's a destination city. I don't think I can handle living there, but going for an event would be fun. Oh no. Yeah. Going for an event would be fun. I could never live there. Yeah. Uh, that's everything I got to cover with you, boss. Cool, man. Good. I'm glad we can make this happen. I appreciate you being a little flexible. My schedule has been, uh, yeah, same. Been, I mean, been whack. I got a, yeah, I got a lot going on too. So I'm glad that we made this work. Yeah, no, we made it work. Uh, the kids are in bed. So now I can get off here and chill, and, uh, relax and be in peace. Yeah. Man, so yeah. All right, man. Good chat with you, dude. Yeah. You appreciate too. Thanks it. for taking the time, man. Yep. Later on, brother. All right, that was pro strongman Anthony Deal. Uh, I hope you liked the episode. If you did, please leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Thick, Strong, and Awkward, T-H-I-C-C. If you guys have any questions or guests you'd really like to see on here, feel free to email me at thickandawkward at gmail.com or uh, DM me on Instagram. Um, It means a lot to get reviews and feedback and finding out what you guys want to listen to. All right, guys, until next time, keep it thick, strong, and awkward.